Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hola, soy Félix, creador de Adonis Arcana. Bienvenidos a un nuevo episodio de Bearback con Ben y Benja. Disfruten. I'm very well. How are you? I'm great. Welcome along, everybody, to Bearback, the podcast where we navigate our lives together as a bear couple. And explore the quirks of our respective cultures. I'm Ben, and I am British. And I'm Benja, and I'm Argentinian, and wondering why you're doing all of different weird accents. I don't know, I'm just in one of those moods. Because... This week, we'll be chatting with Mexican makeup artist Felix Palafox. Now, Felix is based in Boston, the USA one, mm-hmm. and there he's founded his male cosmetics brand, Adonis Arcana. We'll be talking to him about how he set up his own line and explore the world of makeup for men, as well as asking him what are the cultural quirks for a Mexican living in the USA. And before we get there... You found out that you missed on one of Rosario's best attractions. Yes. So when we went to Argentina, that was, what, three years, two, three years ago now? Yeah. So it was end of 2019. Yes. Just before Miss Rona came to visit. We had a fantastic time in Argentina. We went to Buenos Aires, but we spent a lot of time in your hometown of Rosario, well, home city. And it was amazing. But I was reading about something the other day in Rosario that we never did. Yeah, and that's called La Merenguita. Can you give the friends of the podcast a little bit of a feel of what La Merenguita is? Well, to be fair, it's fairly simple. La Merenguita is basically a, a bus, yeah. a, a, an old bus, that is kind of disguised as a train. I'm already there. Yeah, I would have thought so. And it's up for rent. So it's been, to be fair, I think La Merenguita is older than me. And that's saying a lot, isn't it? <laughs> 65 today! So, La Merenguita has always been forever. And realistically, you can book it. So, and what happens is that we used to go when school booked it. You know, like to take you from one place to the other. You could book La Merenguita and have like a little bit like a little bit of music inside of it. And so on. So, it was really, really, uh, really fun as a child to do it. But then, of course, because we live in a globalized economy where you need to feed everything and everyone and because it's such a classic from my hometown La Merenguita eventually started being rented out for like adult parties and not adult like triple X (laughs) maybe it could go there though maybe there's still time well yeah I mean it's you can rent it as a party bus basically and you can sort of drive around the city like in your Hindu or your Stagdu or whatever party and you can have a party on top of the bus. And one of the things as well is because you can rent it. So there are certain, for example, oh, how do you call it in English? Where the old people are there left to die. An old folks home. Yeah. Is that what it's called? An old folks home. Uh, like residential care. I okay. don't know. I don't know what they... Okay. In Spanish, geriatrico. Okay. <laughs> that makes sense. And basically some of them, to keep like cheering up the old people, they would rent it and just load up the old people and have a drive around the town in La Merenguita. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. It's a bit like that 
old people's home in Bradford where they installed a railway carriage in the old people's home so they could go and have a virtual ride on a train and obviously it brought back memories from their childhood and you know going out into the countryside and things like that i think it's great for keep for keeping people and them active and keeping their minds active as well yeah another thing let me get this up for rent mornings afternoon evening early in the morning so if you go to a wedding in a location that is quite far away you can rent Lamberguita to take you there and then to pick you up back up and your whole party your party continues I love how La Merenguita is like a one-stop shop for novelty bus travel. Like, it works for the kids, it works for the adults, it works for people in the third age of their lives. I mean, and if you ask anyone, absolutely anyone, in a million and a half people city, if you ask anyone about La Merenguita, they will know what you're talking about. Which is amazing, because we just don't have that kind of cultural icon in this country i mean you, you they used to do tours around the pubs in the black country on a double-decker bus and i think it had a bar so the black country is an area just not far from birmingham where coal mines therefore yeah. black country yeah it's a very historical industrial place um and you know great great pubs great great night out there great orange orange chips Yes, all the orange chips in the black country. I love orange chips. So orange chips is basically where they double fry the chips and they fry them in like an orange batter, don't they? To give them an orange colour. Now, apparently... But it's with spices. Yeah, with with spices, yeah. Secret recipe, a bit KFC-esque. But apparently the reason why they did it, they fried them in this kind of orange dye, was to make potatoes more fun in the Second World War when it was essentially one of the only things that you could eat. But it's been protected. I think before we left the EU, they were even looking at getting it protected. You know, like how champagne and Mm -hmm. Cornish pasties are protected by European laws. Yeah, because you go and you ask for black country chips. Mm -hmm. But anyway, they used to do this great tour on a a double-decker... I don't know if I'd want to go on a double-decker party bus. It can get a bit wobbly on the top deck, can't it? But also, in terms of that tour, sort of the star of the tour is the pubs. Mm. Here, the star of the tour is La Merenguita. Mm. It's the means of transport, not where you're going. It doesn't matter where you're going. You might be just going around and around in circles. I remember, and this is not La Merenguita, once at school... It was my friend's birthday party and we got picked up by a stretch limo and it took us to the bowling alley. Okay. But it was a one-way trip. We had to get the bus back from the... <laughs> but it was still very exciting, like pulling out the school gates in a stretch limo. I mean, I would rather go in La Merenguita. What about those converted fire engines where they have the pole in the middle and you can like, get like a stripper on board? Oh, brilliant, because if there's anything more exciting than standing up in a moving vehicle is trying to pole dance in a moving vehicle. Well, no, you wouldn't have to pole dance. We'd get a stripper in. I mean, it just sounds like a concussion waiting to happen. (laughs) Well, many people do it. I mean, I'm not saying I have, but many people do do it. Mm. There you are. So next time we go back to Argentina, can we go on La Merenguita? Can we just hire it, just me and you? (laughs) Just both of us. Is it um, it quite expensive or do we need to club together with other people? I probably will need to club together with with other people. I don't think it's going to be that expensive, but realistically, it's the whole experience. If it's just both of us in La Merenguita, it's just... But maybe what we can use it for is kind of like a, a funky Uber. So we can go and visit all your friends and family around Rosario in the bus. And then every time we stop, we can like get them to come on the bus. And then by the end of it, we've bas- it's basically like a conga line, but a bus. I mean, to be fair, I do like that idea. And I don't often like your ideas. <laughs> but that one's a good one. I feel, I feel blessed. I feel blessed. Mm. Thank you. Anyway, before we move on, I just want to say that Connor's been in touch. Oh, hi, Connor. 
Ayakonna, and he says, lads, your podcast is infiltrating my everyday life. I'm now seeing jeans and a nice top everywhere, even in my Duolingo. Now, we obviously cannot take full credit for jeans and a nice top. That's Gareth Howells, that's Hunsnet, and we've just embraced it and, you know, used it quite a lot, especially when we were speaking to Joey yeah, Bevan. But, but we week. are disseminating it across the world, <laughs> like with Connor. Anyway, he says, basically, my Duolingo Spanish story is about a woman who is going for dinner but she's wearing pyjamas, so has to put on jeans and a nice top. And for those of you who want to know what that is in Spanish, it's Lin va a su habitación y se pone unos jeans y una camiseta. Yeah, super fluent. Was that good? Uh, uh, yeah, it was good. And then it says, then the response is, Es tu amigo Victor fue a tomar fotos de caballos salvajes en Argentina, ¿no? Yeah, regreso. I mean, that's a different story, Bob. That's about someone going to Argentina to take photographs of it, but it has nothing to do with the jeans and the nice top in dinner. Oh, I must have put the two stories together. There's basically two stories there. It's a choose-your-own-adventure in Espanol. Mm, exactly. I even asked... I, I replied to Connor on behalf of both of us. I said, I hope you don't mind us mentioning this in next week's episode. And he says, no, feel free. Might even wear jeans and a nice top for the occasion. So, uh, Connor, hope you are suitably dressed for your shout out on the podcast and if you do want to feature on an upcoming episode you can message us at barebackpod on twitter at barebackpodcast on instagram we are on facebook just search for us bareback or you can email us at barebackpodcast at gmail.com We are delighted to have a very special guest on the show today who comes to us all the way from Mexico via Boston in the U.S. of A. Felix Palafox is a professional makeup artist and instructor who has now launched his own range of cosmetics created especially for men. Adonis Arcana, and we're going to be finding out all about that a little bit later today. But without further ado, Felix, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Hi, Felix. Hi, Ben. Hi, Ben. Uh, thank you so much for having me. This is exciting for sure. Well, we've been chatting pretty much as long as Bareback has been airing. So thank you so much for, for being there with us from the beginning. But for our listeners who perhaps don't know you, tell us a little bit more about yourself. So I'm Felix Palafox. I'm, as Ben mentioned, a makeup artist. I'm the founder of Adonis Arcana, men's cosmetics range. I'm the oldest of three siblings, born and raised in the mountains of Mexico, right closest Mexico City, and also in a multinational relationship. So my partner is not Mexican, he's American. And the little perks were really kind of what got me into the show. And, you know, your personalities are just keeping me here. Oh, stop wow. it. I'm going, I'm going red already. I know. <laughs> so your partner's from the U.S.? Yes. And yes. did you meet in the U.S.? We did. We did. We met a few years after I moved here. So how long have you been living in the U.S.? Ooh, since 2004, so that would be, what, 18 years? Yeah, so, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Math, math should be my thing, Bob. Why am I struggling well, with I it? I don't know. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> this, I was just thinking a long time. Like, <laughs> I wasn't really working a while. out. A while. Yeah, this year would be 18 years, yeah. So all, all of that diatribe where me talking is just me in my head doing the math just to make sure that it was right. Why did you move from Mexico to the US? It was honestly, I blame my parents. 
it was their goal to move the family up here. And uh, my dad got a really good promotion at a really great time, right when I was graduating high school. So we all kind of got together and said, do you want to do it? I'm like, sure. Legally Blonde had just come out. So you have an idea. So I was <laughs> excited to tour Harvard and do the whole Boston life. So I no hesitation. Like, let's get on a plane. You know, the thing is, I love that film, but Ben's never watched it. What? No, I've never seen Legally Blonde. He's never seen Legally Blonde. You need to message me when you do. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Well, it maybe that so could great. be my homework for this weekend. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, I've been trying to get you to watch Legally Blonde for a while now. Yeah, I, I only saw Dirty Dancing quite recently as well. I know a completely different film, but in terms of like passage of right, you know, rite of passage, uh, yeah, there's a few. And it was it was only last year that I got you to sit down and watch Clueless. Yeah, yeah. What? Mm. I know. It's better than Clueless. I mean, I love Clueless, but Legally Blonde is better. You know, the thing is, I think that fashion is better in Clueless. Yes. Story is better in Legally Blonde. Yes. Yes, but both are super iconic. But but Clueless, isn't it based on Shakespeare? No, it's based on... um, I was going to say, because you can't knock Shakespeare. Not considering we live in Warwickshire, where he's from. Oh, what's the... But it is based on a famous uh, author's book, was it? Oh, God, now it's going to bug me. Pride and Prejudice? Uh, Sense and Sensibility? Who, who wrote Pride and Prejudice? Oh, I don't know. She's on the back of the £20 note, isn't she? Yeah. Jane Austen. Yeah, it's based on an Austen, Jane Austen novel, which is a different one. I love how um, I know, you know, our famous writers from the fact that they're on our money. Um, yes. <laughs> well, I just found it on Google. The <laughs> Emma. Is I'm, uh, uh, oh, we should have known that. Probably, yeah. Uh, yeah, we should we should really but have known you that. You didn't even watch it, so why should you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think that maybe Legally Blonde is based on Shakespeare. I'm not exactly sure which Shakespeare story, but... Okay, well, we'll find out later. Yeah, it should be. On Bareback, obviously, you know, you, you mentioned that before. We talk about the kind of cultural quirks between Argentinian and British life. You're obviously from Mexico and you're now living in, in the USA. How How did that... You know, what was the the juxtaposition like when you first moved there? And, and what are the kind of daily things that you notice even now? Well, it's it's interesting because it's a completely different language, first of all. So I, I know that y'all have talked about this, but, you know, just living your life in a different language really kind of shifts the way you think about things sometimes. And uh, I don't know, I find that after so long, I find myself struggling to remember words in Spanish every now and again. So those sort of things, it just bugs me, but also entertains me. Been yeah. there totally. so many times. And I don't know if it happens to you, uh, Felix, but what happens to me is that sometimes I can't remember, I want to say something, and I can't remember the word neither in English nor in Spanish. I do get that as well. Every now and again. Not often, but every now and again. What language do you dream in, Felix? Because I'm always interested when people speak, you know, people who are bilingual. What, what language do you dream in? I don't remember. I, don't, I can't tell you. I just know that I understand the words. I, it's probably English at this point. Mm. You probably read somewhere, Ben, that there's some studies that say that you you can consider yourself bilingual when you dream in the in the second language or some or, or something like that. But yeah, I know what you mean. I sometimes I feel like I've dreamt in English, but I'm not sure whether I actually did or whether I just understood what was being said. Yeah, meeting new people in the U.S. versus in Mexico is also really interesting because I mean, I've it's a habit I've adopted just. Mm from being part of the society. But, you know, when you're introducing yourself, 
a lot like you always say this is my first name this is what i do for a living mm-hmm. like those two are always linked mm-hmm. right we're in, in mexico it's more like this is my first name my last name and this is you know why i'm here these are my friends this is what i'm doing like it's not so much focus on the work which is really interesting okay and, and i think we're also very touchy in Mexico, we're very, very touchy people. Like we hug, we kiss, we embrace, we're like handshakes. We're always like grabbing each other's arms. And that's really weird here. <laughs> like, especially when you first meet someone, you don't do that. To be fair, I've made it my, I made it my mission when I meet someone new in the UK, whenever, whenever I come, particularly in social situations, I just go for the hug just because oh. Just because I'm, I'm again, as Arjun seems, I'm touchy, but also I find it hilarious how you hug someone here in the UK. I'm poor British person. is there with their hand extended to shake your hand and you're <laughs> hugging them and they just stay still because they don't know what to do. And it's like yeah. the sheer panic, particularly if it's a man, has to be said, is that this feeling of sheer panic is like, what the hell is happening? And you're there like giving a good hug. Good, that's kind of awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's that. I can see that vividly because it's happened here too, and it is fun. It is entertaining. The thing. So, did you did you go to university there in the US uh, as well? Do you have the whole uni experience? Uh, yes and no. Yes and no. The uni experience. I started it when we first moved here. I we got here a little late for the start of the year. Okay. And so, college applications, university applications were already like done, selected couldn't do it. So I had to wait basically a year. And uh, it's a really expensive endeavor here. Really expensive. So, you know, I did what I could, took Mm -hmm. out some loans, and then it got to the point where I'm like, no, this is just not sustainable. Yeah. Um, Couldn't live on campus. All the movies lied to me. (laughs) None of it happened. None of it was true. So, Well, that's part of the shock of moving to a different country, isn't it? It's about sort of the things that you didn't know you had to sort of account for that you didn't expect. I very much think that's part of it. Like what? To be honest, it's a university here, it's fairly accessible just because you have a lot of grants, isn't it? You mm-hmm. have a lot of, it's basically the government gives you a loan for you to yep. go to uni and you don't see it and you only start paying when you start earning above a certain amount of money. So oh, nice. it, here it's, it's, it's not free university, but you kind of don't feel it to some extent. It's basically a graduate tax in all right. name. Yeah. Whereas, again, in Argentina, with university education being free, then you kind of just assume that you go to uni. You assume that everyone goes to uni. Then whether you finish, whether you don't finish, because, of course, you haven't paid for it. So right. um, a lot of people drop out. A lot of people change career 17 times. But... I think I feel like here is far more regimented because it's paid for. And right. I would presume that in the US, again, you can you see all of these films and all of these college lives. That you know, the L Woods uh, talking about um, talking out Cameron Diaz of buying a hideous sweater. You know that campus life of being sitting on the grass and so on. That actually must be like really regimented, just because you're paying for it. Well, so in the U.S., like, you you do get that life if you live on campus. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, universities are huge. There's dormitories for men, for women, a couple different, like, ones. You have different options. You have these gardens and everything. But to live on campus, you're paying 
upwards of fifteen, sixteen thousand dollars. Wow. On top of tuition that can range anywhere from thirty thousand a year to seventy five, one hundred and twenty thousand a year. That was back wow. in the early two thousand. So it was insane. Insane. I, I can match it, and and the thing is, this is uh, this, this comes now from an almost forty year old, almost, almost. <laughs> but it gets to a point in life where you actually realize that well, you don't necessarily need university to be successful in life, to be successful professionally. It's uh, it definitely gives you tools, advantages, whatever you want, but it's you really that make yourself successful. Yeah, absolutely. And I think things are changing for a lot of people, like apprenticeships and things like that are becoming much more respected and, and, and people are seeing that as a as a real genuine viable alternative to going to, to university and, and doing higher education that way because, you know, it's not for everybody. And I think people are kind of realising that now. And also there's a massive brain drain in, in certain skills that we just don't have that you can't be taught in a classroom. You have to be taught them by actually doing it, I, I guess. Totally. And I think one of the things that I uh, learned, you know, while developing like a cosmetics brand in general is the chemists that formulate the products, right? Their process, yes, they go to, they go to university, they have their degree in something like biology, chemistry, whatever, but then everything that they actually do day to day is taught on the job. Mm. It's not, it's not like you're going to go to school and learn how to whip up a cream or, you know, how to create good fragrances or how to get the perfect feel. All of that is really just experiential on the job training anyway, right? So it gives you, the university gives you a good base and maybe an edge, but it doesn't necessarily get you the job or the activities that you're thinking of. You, you mentioned at the start, obviously, we talked about it, that you're, you're, you are in a transnational relationship as well. How do you kind of navigate that between, you know, you're both from two very, very different cultures. How, how do you manage that on a, manage, that's probably not the right word, but how do you experience that, shall we say, on a day-to-day level? Well, we have a, there's a very interesting banter back and forth where, you know, he'll, he likes to, he pretends he knows Spanish. <laughs> I mean, I think I know someone who does. Shut that. up. Yep, yep, and he knows enough Spanish to make some very interesting words happen. So <laughs> all of a sudden, he'll be like, you know, bedo, like vete al bedo. I'm like, what? What? It's like go to bed. Oh like, god! Bedo. I'm like, oh my god, cama, cama. <laughs> it's like no bedo. Like okay. So he's creating his own like little language there. <laughs> that's really where most of it comes up. But uh, it's been really interesting, especially lately, reconnecting to with my Mexican heritage. Little things like um, celebrated King's Day this year. Mm-hmm. Got them like little extra presents with a shoe underneath on top and did the whole thing. Refused to get the tr- Christmas tree down until after the 6th of January. He didn't expect it, but there were extra presents. And it was just a really sweet little thing that, you know, slowly but surely kind of developing. Yeah, I, lo- I love that. I love that whole mashup. And, like, we did it at Christmas as well, didn't we? We had, you know, the traditional British Christmas with my family on Christmas Day, with the turkey, you know, and all the vegetables and everything. And then we did the Argentine Christmas two days later, you know, with all the cold cuts and things like that, you know, because it's so hot in Argentina over Christmas. And I think it's so exciting when you when you when you are in a relationship with somebody who's from such a different culture 
that you can kind of literally have the best of both worlds and I love that I think it's brilliant and I think that the bit where I find most surprising and, and the nicest is where you kind of merge them both because it's talking about Christmas is for what for whatever reason I make sort of a cold dish that is made out of basically tongue an ox tongue yeah, and your brother really likes it. So I've, for the past few years, actually, that has become the uh, part of the starter of the British Christmas as well. So we will have the tongue, and then we'll have the roast with all, all of the British things. So that merger of of the two is the ones that I find the sweetest. That like. is super sweet. That is super sweet. You know, the first time that he cooked with Mexican chili powder was just amazing. So I, I totally get it. Totally. So, and do you find yourself that, and uh, and this is me going for the drama, do you find yourself that, <laughs> that that you also annoy each other with some of those quirks and some of those different relationships? Do you feel annoyed when he sends you to Beto? No, not really. You know, cause, like, I understand that it's it's a it's a good banter. It's you know, you tease you tease because you love, right? Yeah. Uh, I think the things that might put a little friction in our relationship are not cultural at all. It's more like, you know, I tend to be a little bit messier. He tends to be really clean. You know, and he tends to be very organized and calendar oriented. And I'm like, wait, it's Sunday, Monday? What day is it? <laughs> you know, it's, it's more personality traits rather than cultural. There's always a messy one. There's always one that doesn't put the toilet seat down. See, ironically, I put the toilet seat down. Ah. I work with women for most of my career. <laughs> so that <laughs> ingrained. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I will continue to dispute that as well because I, not the fact that I don't put the toilet seat down, but as a matter of effort, let's talk about physics. As a matter of effort, it takes you more effort to lift the seat than to lower it down because you're going against gravity. So actually, it would be easier, technically, physically speaking, it would be easier if I just leave it up and you put it down. Okay, well, you're not going to win this one, so let's let's move on. And, uh, and, and, I don't know, that, that's a sound argument. Oh, don't, don't, don't give him that. Yes, yes. You can literally see now his head is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. He doesn't need more confidence, Felix. <laughs> <laughs> So we've obviously got you on today to talk a, a little bit about sort of makeup, really, and and, and in particular uh, male makeup. So how did you get into into makeup yourself? So actually, that was a complete accident. Complete accident. You know, like between jobs, I, you know, I left this retail job that drained me completely, and I swore out retail makeup. I'm never going to do this again. And yeah, you know, was still in college, barely did, didn't quite finish. It was really hard to find something, you know, a little bit more traditional nine to five and I was kind of getting in a pretty dark space and two friends actually you know to cheer me up they took me out dancing on a random Wednesday they're like we need, we need to go dancing a good gay bar like let's go to the leather bar let's do it okay great. sounds amazing Bye. and that sometimes that's just what you need like those random oh. nights out midweek you know just oh. to really let your hair down well so basically we were the three of us were three of six people at the bar that whole night <laughs> so we connected with the bartender and the bartender actually mentioned he's like oh my day job is looking for people I'm like oh well, what do you what's your day job sephora what is that I'm like i oh, just come in and interview great turns out um, sephora for any people that know makeup you know sephora they're huge international chain they're incredibly popular for what they carry and their service and all of that so i was like okay interviewed the people were really nice you know 
I really fell in love with like the space and the possibilities and it was just like a great energy about the place. So I'm like, oh, I'll give it a shot. And then eight years later, you know, um, teaching people makeup and teaching artists how to evolve their skills and teaching classes on skincare, like all across the state, you know, doing, doing it all because it really just kind of grew on me from there. You must have had some kind of innate creativity within you to be able to do that because it's a real art form. It's a real skill, isn't it? What's interesting about that is actually I, there is an artistic side to it for sure, but I've always understood it as more clinical and for the lack of a better term, you know, color theory, texture layering, you know, finishes, shimmers versus mattes and trying to kind of balance those two. So to me, it's almost more technical than it is artistic which you know just goes to show different artists will think about different things in different ways i know you talk about this this encounter that you that you had in the bar that sort of led you down this amazing career but what about petra oh my god petra petra was probably my first introduction to skincare Oh, I can't believe you found that. No, we know everything. <laughs> we we do our research. So introduce Petra to the world of bareback listeners. So Petra was a character that my mom would play when she would do her clay mask uh, when I was younger. She would, you know, on Wednesdays, she would have her own beauty night. And, you know, two, three kids at the time, you know, we, we were all watching TV or whatnot, and she would come out leaving the clay mask on because it has to dry for like 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> so she would come out with a clay mask as it stiffened and dried, you know, the face just gets like really tight and the eyes just go up and she would pretend to be like the evil babysitter Petra because your mother has left for her beauty routine and her beauty ritual day. So now we're stuck here with this intensely gazed like woman <laughs> forcing us to behave and be good until mom gets back. And it was just so sweet. It was so sweet. To this day, like, I think about it, and I just love it. Does she still become Petra on a Wednesday? Well, she now uses my mask, which is amazing. Ah, absolutely. Oh, that's yes. fantastic. What a, what, a great, what a great circle, you know, circle of life, so to speak. Totally. So uh, at which point you realize that, hmm, actually, makeup is something that men can do as well? Well, it's... Because it, because I've always looked at it as being so technical, right? It to me like it never felt that like it would be different between men and women as far as natural makeup. Like I always saw, you know, if your cheeks are red, you're gonna have this like slightly off yellowish tone to neutralize that. And depending on how much coverage you want, is how much you'll, how much you'll get, how much product you'll need. And to me, it was always very individualistic, person to person. But uh, I find that. Most people in general don't think that way. You know, we tend to like categories, mm-hmm. tend to like, um, but we also tend to really like having someone speak to us, right? Representation matters. Yeah. And that's where I'm thinking, like, you know what? This is, this is something interesting that I can definitely have a good voice in. So it fits with my everyday look. It fits with what I personally believe in and my ethics and my visuals. So, yeah, my expertise is here. Let's do it. And I have to say... We're obviously recording this, you know, you're on one side of the Atlantic Ocean, we're on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean, but we we, we can see you on video and your skin looks amazing. Like, <laughs> you, I, I'm literally like, I'm literally like, I, I you know, I kind of want to put a hood on or something like that. But you are, yeah. even over Zoom, you are glowing. So with that in mind, what, what kind of defines your personal look for makeup? 
Well, I think clean skin, definitely, you know, making sure the skin is like good. Eyebrows and beard, you know, facial hair is one of the sexiest things for me. So keeping that like, of course. You can come again. (laughs) (laughs) She didn't say yours. Well, I know, but I kind of made that personal joke. (laughs) I mean, yeah, no, no, no. Take a compliment. Thank you. Good, well-groomed facial hair. Always, you know, I am Mexican, so I do like a touch of sun. So I will do a little bit of that. And, you know, just some, just one or two things, you know, something that's just a little like extra, just a little off to kind of give a nice little wink. What are your go-to extras? You know, that, that little thing, that extra umph, what are your go-tos that I say, this never fails? Oh my God, black eyeliner. You know, mm-hmm. the 90s grunge punk goth in me still lives <laughs> when the mood comes out. So it's going to be either like that eyeliner mm-hmm. or, you know, those like really shimmery highlights where you're like, oh, my God, what is what is this metal on your face? Subtly and tastefully, of course. But yeah. sometimes just that pop of extra can like really trick the eye to be like, wait, what is this? What, what's going on? And when you first, you know, started experimenting with makeup, you know, on yourself, did you, did it make you feel different? Like, the, the way you're talking about it now, it's almost like it's, it's, I can feel the confidence coming out of you. Did, did you get that instantly when you f- first started experimenting with makeup yourself? So perfectly honestly, not at first, you know, at first it was kind of scary because it's, I will say it does take a certain degree of balls to go against the grain so strongly with something on your face saying like you know what i'm a guy and i'm wearing makeup and it's usually for women and people are having issues with this so i don't care so it did take me a little bit to kind of get there but i will always remember this one day where you know we all wake up having to go to work and then just not feeling it Like, I don't know if I have a cold, I don't know if I'm depressed, I don't know if I just didn't sleep right. Like, I just, I want to call out. I want to call out so bad. But then I took a shower, I did my face, and then when I finished, you know, applying all the lotions and potions, just looked at myself and said, like, I feel fucking great. I'm going (laughs) to, like, this is it. I'm going to rock this day. I got all the confidence I need. Like, let's do it. And it was honestly one of the best days that I can remember. So it's that magic, you know, like just seeing it, your face without all the distractions really just kind of gives you that extra pep to say, like, we got this. For me, it's really good to know that it can be a process. It's not necessarily an instantaneous thing for everyone, because I think there there are a lot of preconceptions about makeup, and particularly male makeup, given it's blown up in the market, it's really growing, there's a lot of different options up there it's becoming a massive business but it's for example um, the main brand of uh, male makeup that i see here in the uk is called war paint yeah it's this uh, is this thing that oh you have to make it you know war you have to make it butch somehow that uh, there's there's still this thing about well even in their own approach to makeup there's still kind of this thing that makeup it's not really for men and i feel in their message we have to kind of find a way to butch it up and make it sound like you're going to war 
Whereas realistically, it's just makeup. Right. So I'm so I'm interested in knowing uh, what's your in, in developing your own brand in developing Adonis Arcana. So what has been your thought process about masculinity and about male makeup? Yeah. So I mean, obviously that that was actually a bigger conversation than the entire business plan, the entire vision for the product. Like all of that was easy. It was really understanding and making sure that. You know, we were communicating the right message that mm-hmm. took the most uh, amount of thoughtfulness and planning. But what I came to see was like those hyper-masculine images have clearly worked for warping, for example. You know, like they, forgive me if I'm wrong, but I think they're opening up a freestanding store soon. They're sponsoring a rugby team. They're sponsoring the building of a stadium. Like they're doing really well. So clearly that worked, but that's not the message that we're necessarily going for. We understand that some people do need that hyper-masculine image to give themselves permission to try, Mm -hmm. right? Because it fits with everything else that they've been shown, like with a shaving ad, a razor ad, you know, there's always this consistency that, you know, it it gets them in, right? It gets past that initial warning sign to get them interested. Some people do need that. But what we're trying to do at Adonis Arcana is to kind of take the next step and say, yes, those guys, macho tattoos, muscles, sure, yes, they're sexy. I get it. I'm not going to deny that. But this five foot four guy over here is just as handsome. And the bear over that you met at the bar last night, yeah, he's got a sex appeal that you can't deny. Handsome really has more than one face which is going to be more of like the message that we're trying to come across, showing that. To be fair, it kind of sounds like a slogan. If you haven't trademarked it yet, do. Well, that's <laughs> it's going to be part of our upcoming campaign. So that's why I want to make sure I got that one right. Ben had mentioned before, you know, the male makeup industry has exploded literally in the last few years. I did a little bit of research because I like my research. Loves his research. $18.92 billion it's going to be worth by 2027. You kind of alluded to it there, but why do you think it's got so popular in the last few years? That is a big number. But when you think about it, it does kind of make sense, right? There's that magic that comes with seeing yourself. Just past the distractions, past the little things that really just kind of empowers you to... Take on the world if you can. It's like, you know, getting the best haircut of your life, but on demand every day on your own terms. It's That's a pretty powerful feeling. And also, a lot of what we call natural makeup is really more about enhancing that idea of health. So our skin is basically a barometer for how we're doing, both physically and mentally, right? Mm -hmm. So... If you're not sleeping right, if you're not getting, you know, the most restful sleep, it's going to show in your under eyes. It's going to show as darkness. So we'll make a concealer to make it look like you slept all day and that you're you know, super confident going into a meeting, a date or whatever. And it gives you that feeling of actually being super confident for whatever you're going to do. If, say, like, your skin is being compromised from, like, the cold, maybe you have sun damage, maybe it's, like, not necessarily in the best condition, and you apply a little foundation on it, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, you don't actually look at that. So 
not looking at things like that is almost kind of helpful to give yourself that push to say like, yeah, I got this. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, a wise homosexual once said to me that a gay man is always at his most powerful the two weeks after he's had a haircut. And I completely get that. But if I can do that every day just by applying some makeup, then I am totally down. Because that that feeling, that fresh feeling, like you say, of of being groomed and stuff, if I can do that with my skin, like imagine what I could achieve you know it, it's it, it is really exciting and I think you're right there's there's definitely a magic to it and, and again what's interesting when doing some research behind this is that this is not a new thing like male makeup like we're talking this goes back a thousands and thousands of years there was um some research that the University of Bristol did here in in the UK and they found that evidence that Neanderthals wore makeup over 50,000 years ago and these were like vessels and things like that. It wasn't like war, you know, they weren't putting on a mask or costume for, for to go to war. This was something that they were doing, you know, on their downtime. It was aesthetic rather than functional. Yeah, and it's it's amazing. Like, we don't think of hunter-gatherers as applying a bit of guy liner, do we? You have to email me that article because I'm, I'm going to be, like, picking it with a fine-tooth comb. Yeah, I mean, you know, and there's Japan... China, you know, 3000 BC, the Egyptians were doing it. So is this kind of, is this just the latest fashion trend or is this something that's going to stick this time and, and, and will stay with us as we evolve as human beings? I mean, I think making it stay is kind of my job. <laughs> <laughs> but but like, well, completely honestly, though, um, makeup is, for men has been around in various different ways through entire history. So it might not look the same 20, 30, 50 years from now, but there will be something. Like I always, I always kind of bring up and say, if I were to give you a bag, right, today, and say there's wigs, there's heels, there's a full face powder, there's lipstick and, and like a heavy, heavy rouge blush, and probably a skirt. Today, you would probably think, oh, a drag queen must have dropped this from like the bar last night. Let's, let's figure out who it was. But then if you go actually and you Google King Louis the Fourteenth, that was everything he was wearing. Skirts, blush, heels, wow. powdered face. And he was like royalty, you know, it was he was the epitome of masculinity at the time. So what we're looking at, it's just so culturally dependent that we will change with culture. Yeah, I think, again, I think you're right. I think it's one of those where um, the canons of masculinity have have definitely changed. And, and you're absolutely right. Makeup, heels, wigs. Like here in the UK, they were very big on wigs as well, back in the day. The whole thing, again, is a cultural perception of what masculine looks like. And I think that, I, I think that it is sort of shifting a little bit where we're giving us more allowance to be masculine whilst doing things that weren't necessarily considered 100% masculine and makeup being one of them. So let's talk about your makeup. Let's talk about Adonis Arcana, which yes, I'm in love with your moisturizer. Uh, it is so good to hear. First of all, your moisturizer is amazing. You just told me that my baby's cute. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. 
And the thing is, I, I have to be honest, when I, when I opened that box, and it, this is recorded because we did an unboxing video. We did do can, an unboxing video, yeah. That you can that, that all of our listeners can find on uh, on our social media. So we did an unboxing video of your products, and I was a little bit taken aback by the character. Not necessarily because it was character. But also because it happens to me when I uh, when when I buy particularly any sort of skincare or healthcare products in general that I find myself reading the labels and how the hell am I supposed to use this? So I when I grabbed the character I thought ooh how the hell am I supposed to use um, to use this? But then and I think again this is stroke of genius on your part you have the cue cards that you've included there, that actually tells you the tips on how to use it. And I think that we as men, particularly men that haven't used makeup before, we definitely need that aid. So it's, totally. it was definitely, definitely most uh, most welcome. But Perfect. talk to us about uh, the Arcana collection. So the products that, uh, that we've seen, that uh, it's in our unboxing video, walk us through a little bit what 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 are they what are their purpose how to use them totally so i think these at the moment we have three products available the mask the moisturizer and the shadow corrector you know the three of these are basically the conglomerate aggregated knowledge that i've accumulated and working for beauty and different beauty brands over the past 10 years so I really wanted to get like the best of everything for as many people as possible. So everything is super multitasking. Everything should hopefully be very intuitive to use. And if not, I'm going to give you the aids that you need. So there's the cards, there's, you know, directions, there's, I'm working on more how to videos. So with the mask, for example, that one is absolutely one of the best ones that I've ever tried. Not just to toot my own horn, but <laughs> toot away, um, Felix. Toot away. I'm, I'm tooting. I'm tooting. The mask is going to clean out pores, smooth skin texture, reduce redness. It's going to hydrate. The clay and the charcoal are going to deep pore cleanse. Helps with ingrown hairs. Helps with like a little bit of razor burn the next day. Face and body, like wherever you have any sort of issues that you need a little, little more of a deep clean for, five ten minutes super and rinse off in the shower you're good you kind of answered another question really that i wanted to ask you is that why do we need male makeup if we've if we've got great makeup out there already for women what specifically is different for men and i think you've kind of answered it there when you you know you you know obviously not many women would shave their face i suppose but what is the different process when you're thinking about a product that's going to be used predominantly by people who identify as male yeah so i mean Guys have been making women's products work since forever, since make has been a thing, right? You can definitely make any product work. The difference, though, is that 95 99% of makeup is created and conceived with that feminized ideal in mind. So, you know, things like the finish of it, how it reflects light, how much it covers, how intense the colors are, you know, they're how you apply it, all those tips that you find online, you know, they're all really created with that specific vision of femininity in mind. When you're using a product from a men's brand, you know, you can filter a lot of that out. Sometimes more than that, depending on what brand you're going to get. But uh, 
you can filter some of those issues out. So you know that this is intended to be maybe more natural looking, or maybe it's intended to be a little bit easier. Maybe the techniques that they'll show are a little bit, you know, different. So if you find a men's brand who's like, quote unquote, look, you can connect to, you're pretty much, you're pretty much set. Again, good to know that there's differences in the product itself and in the way that, that you applied it in the finish. Because to be fair, whenever I've saw male healthcare products in general, I can always count the idea that they're just chucking some wood smell into it and, and charging me twice the price for it. So it's actually, again, this comes from someone who is very much of an ignorant in, in regards to makeup. It's really good to know that actually it's thought for and is designed for men. There's a difference. There's an, I, and I hadn't really thought about it before. You know, the shimmer, the finish, the texture, the the amount that you use. It is really interesting. Yeah, because I think there's an assumption that a lot of it is in the marketing. It's like Diet Coke. Oh, men don't drink Diet Coke. Oh, we'll just rebrand it Coke Zero and suddenly men will buy Diet Coke. I mean, I'm sure it's not as <laughs> clear-cut as that. but No, but it is. But it is. <laughs> um, and actually, that's, that's really, really uh, perceptive of you because, I'm not going to lie, that is the case for some of the other brands that are out there. You know, it's like, oh, you just put the same thing in a gray bottle and call it men's line. Unfortunately, some people do take that easy route out. Not everybody is up for recreating products from scratch, but those of us that are, are going to have that immediate edge. So did you have to go to like a laboratory and wear a white coat and like smell all these potions and do lots of mixing? How, you know, how, when you decide to, to, to create this new brand, what do you actually do? How, do you, how does it go from being an idea to then the product that we've obviously seen? Absolutely everything. <laughs> Absolutely everything. So I cannot tell you how many like days I was in the lab, changing things up, trying things out, switching different ingredients here and there, and being like, okay, this is too shimmery, maybe this is too dark, this doesn't like actually rinse off. A lot, a lot of very awesome volunteers to try <laughs> out some very questionable formulas <laughs> <laughs> and give me some really good feedback. Like I think the uh, the mask went through four different focus groups of I think twenty people to just kind of improve it every time. Really like sourcing all the ingredients, making sure that things were you know ethically sourced, making sure that things were on the clean side. That there was a good toxicology report behind each ingredient. It's a lot of work, but I definitely found an amazing joy in that. Yeah, and I suppose at the end of it, you can turn around and say, I made this. This wasn't like an idea that then I outsourced, you know, to somebody else. Like, you've been there every step of the way, and every success you get off the back of this, you know, when you talk about patting yourself on the back, like, literally, you have every right to do that, because it's all down to you and your vision. Like, that must be an amazing feeling. Oh, it is. It is. So, like, when Becca said you like my moisturizer, like, literally, my heart skipped a beat. Um, and I think just the fact that there's been so much love and so much effort and so much time put into it, like every time that I hear that, I will get that feeling. And it's just, it's, I'm very, very proud of it. So you can see us right now. So yeah. if you look at us. Oh, God. What? <laughs> Where are you going with this? <laughs> so I'm actually interested in knowing from you, from your expertise, is how we can use your products particularly to enhance our features. So how do we make ourselves look 
nice and more confident? How do we get that oomph of confidence that come? Well, so I'd say the absolute basics are, you know, get yourself a really basic routine that you can follow every day so that you can really learn your face and really learn your skin and see what your skin actually likes, see what it doesn't, see, you know, where the bones fall in, in your own complexion, see, like, how your skin moves when you move it a certain way. That will get you a long, long way into realizing, like, maybe I do need this or... You know, maybe that's a little extra. Maybe I don't need that. The one thing that I always say when, you know, teaching classes and whatnot is I'll always do the thing where it says, raise your hands if you have eight hours of quality sleep every night on the regular. And out of, you know, thousands of classes, maybe four people raise their hands and we all hated them. We're like, okay, we so if you don't get your eight hours of quality sleep, then, you know, the under-eye corrector is going to be a great, you know, starting point. Just applying to the shadows, blend out with your finger, give it a minute, and then look back in about five seconds, five, ten seconds. You'll start to see, you know, maybe I use too much, maybe I need a little bit more, you know. You'll kind of develop that instinct as you use it. But for the two of you, if you ever line up your beards... You know, like take that straight edge razor to get that like crisp line. Use that shadow corrector to just kind of trace right there and then just pat it out. Okay. You, you will feel like you just got out of the barber shop, even if you haven't shaved in four days. That's giving me chills. I, I, I want to stop the recording right away and go do it. <laughs> go try it. Go try it. I have an important meeting tomorrow, so I'm going to do that tonight. You yeah. know that. Yeah. That's yeah, that's... pictures. Yeah, we will. We will. We'll do it as soon as, honestly, as soon as we finish, we'll go and do it. We'll do like before and after. Yeah, literally just clean up that lineup and you're going to be like so happy. Where are you taking the brand next? You've got these obviously three great products. What's next for for Adonis Arcana? Which I have to say, I I had to ask Ben what it meant, but it's like secret, isn't it, Arcana? Is that right? Yes. Arcana means secrets. Uh, Based from the tarot deck, you know, the major and minor Arcana are the two big players in the tarot deck. So the name kind of translates to the secrets of Adonis, which, you know, a little nod. (laughs) But what's next? I'd say the one thing I've learned after working in beauty for so long is that the customer, it really dictates where things go. So, you know, keep an eye out on our Instagram. We do polls all the time and like what you want to see next. Our last poll revealed that serum was going to be the biggest thing that people wanted to try. And we came up with some amazing, amazing formulas. So... If dark spots, fine lines, and skin sensitivity sound familiar, you know, you're going to want to keep an eye out for this one. Felix, how can our audience find you? You mentioned your Instagram. So what are your handles, uh, website, Instagram, whatever socials? How can our listeners find Adonis Arcana? Yes. So on Instagram, we are at Adonis underscore Arcana. Arcana is spelled A-R-C-A-N-A. And our website is adonisarcana.com. Brilliant. And if people do want to purchase your products, can they get that through the website? Yes. So we were approved for Instagram shopping uh, about three months ago. So if that's your preferred method, then you can do that through the website as well. The one thing I will say is shipping to UK is a little bit interesting. (laughs) So we can't really do anything about duty taxes or anything of the sort. So we'll just leave that um, little note there. But if you're within the US, 
Canada, Mexico, the Americas, definitely feel free to browse. And to be fair, if you're in the UK, it's worth the import tax, so go get it. Absolutely, absolutely. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. Why not? Go ahead and do it. They are amazing products, and we're we're so thankful that you've you've sent us those ahead of ahead of the interview to try them. Really, because I think there is something, and we kind of talked about this earlier, where it is a bit daunting when you're thinking about, oh, I want to try makeup and stuff like that, and to have something that really sort of guides you through that is really really reassuring. Not only from the fact that you kind of you kind of know what you're doing, but when you've done it, it's the right result that you wanted as well. Does that make sense? Totally. Totally. You know, I've, I've dealt with enough new people work going in their first steps into the makeup world to understand that like, yes, sometimes we do need a guide. So I try to make myself available as much as possible. I do have a complimentary one-on-one feature on the website where anyone can come in and just we'll have like a half an hour on a video call. So we can guide exactly how to use a product. I will do my makeup with you. You know, we'll take the things together and I'll guide you to the best application. Or even like say, hey, I just need advice. Maybe you, there's no purchase. That's okay. We're all about giving that first advice and really helping you kind of start your journey. It's like the makeup counter that I never had, you know. Right. Right. How many guys are really going to go into a makeup counter and talk to this beautiful lady with this great face? Say like, hey, help me with mine. Some people do, but it's rare. Yeah, it's rare. And you know what? I think that it's very important to have those spaces out there that men can actually go and talk to other men as well that wear makeup and say, well, what's the best way to do it? Because you said it yourself, it's not exactly the same. The way you apply it between a woman and a man, there's differences there. But also, um, that's I find that for me, one of the most important messages as well is that, as you mentioned, that it was your case, it might not be instantaneous that you do it the first time and oh, suddenly the world is bright. It takes some time sticking with it until you get that feeling, that jump of confidence. Because I think that particularly for myself, I'm, I'm kind of the person that I'll try it once and if I don't feel f- flipping amazing... I'll just drop it because I must have failed in achieving that feeling. So I think it's really important to put out that message that, you know what, for some people it takes a little bit longer, but just totally. stick with it. Stick with the, with your uh, with your routine and just go with it. Just be brave and eventually that feeling comes. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like that Friday night that you're not going out, that you're not seeing anybody, that Saturday night that you're just like in bed with a glass of wine thinking like, oh, I'm just going to binge Netflix. It's like, okay, well, maybe hold off on the show for a little bit. Give yourself a little time in the mirror to try it. And if it doesn't work, you wipe it off. And then you try again another time. You know, it's it's easy as that. You know, it's yeah. not tattoos. It's yeah. not going to be on there forever. It comes off in the shower. You are like a Nothing. self-help guru. I mean, <laughs> I literally feel like a better version of myself just by listening to you speak. Well, thank you. That's that. That is amazing. That's exactly what I would want to inspire. Well, you've certainly inspired both of us because we are. I mean, I think we're sold. I think we are. We're converted. Like you know, from the products that we've tried, it's definitely something that I want to look at more. I mean, both of us are kind of really new to this. Like we thought, you know, I dabbled in like we all did in the in the in the noughties with a bit of guy liner, and we've done drag for pride and stuff, but. 
it's only this kind of last couple of weeks really that we've really thought about it and actually it's kind of like it's opened a new a new world a new a new door into something that's going to make us feel really good about ourselves so thank you for sharing that with us of course, of course. I mean, that's that's really the whole point, right? Like, there's this whole wonderful world full of interest and possibility and just wonder that we all now have access to. So, Felix, we want to thank you so much for having time for us. I personally want to thank you for the message. I think, again, particularly because the Shadow Corrector for me was a very, very new experience. I think that the guidance and that message that you get there is really, really important. I love your moisturizer. I said it once, I'll say, I'll say it again. And to be fair, have you tried? I haven't tried the math yet, but I will tonight as well because I have a big no, meeting no, no, tomorrow. No, 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 no. We're not doing it tonight. We've got to do it on Wednesday, like Petra. Okay. <laughs> so we'll do the mask on Wednesday. On in Wednesday, on Wednesday we become Petra. On Wednesday we'll become Petra in honor to your mum. That's amazing. You guys are so sweet. Oh, yeah, you are. And that's the thing. We we want to thank you so much for having the time to join us here in this episode of Bareback and to talk us through your line and a little bit of your life as well for our listeners to get to know. So we hope to see a lot more of you, a lot more of your products as well. And again, if you're in, if you're in the US, Canada, Mexico, uh, the Americas, go and buy directly. If you're outside of there, if you're in the UK, Europe is worth the import, the import tax, so go get them anyway. And we hope to see you again soon. Thank you so much, Ben. Benha, you've been amazing. Um, it's such an honor to be on the show. No, no, love trust us. The, the honor is all ours. Lots of love. We'll see you soon. We'll see you soon. We'll see you soon. Bye. 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 How amazing was that? It was incredible. I literally feel like a new man. Like, I feel so different. And I know I've just literally tried a few bits and bobs here and there, but I really feel like this is the start of a new journey for us where we're going to explore could makeup be the kind of thing that we want to incorporate in our daily lives? I mean, the thing is, is I'm incorporating it already. So it's just a matter of exploring more and see where it takes us. If you want to tell us about your experience with makeup, if you want to tell us what you think about this episode or about Bareback, a podcast in general, how can they find us, Bab? <laughs> Since you mention it, you can get in touch with us on Twitter. We are at Bareback Pod. You can find us on Instagram at Bareback Podcast. We are on Facebook. You know, just search for us. You'll find us eventually. And you can send us an email at barebackpodcast at gmail.com. And if you love the show, which we hope you do, don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes and give us a five-star rating on Spotify, if that's where you listen to us on. And tell your friends. Tell everybody. And then I'll tell you one thing that I'm going to be telling everybody all about makeup, because I feel like, you know what? I feel like I could work at a beauty counter after today's episode. I think you're taking it a little bit too far too quick. Okay, let's do a little bit of a role play. Right, I'm working at the beauty counter. Okay. Hello. Hi. Um, how can I help you be more beautiful? <laughs> okay, I'm leaving now. <laughs> oh, no. You've just shattered my dreams of working at a beauty counter. Thank you. I mean, maybe there's a reason for that. <laughs> Bye. 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 Yeah.